Riverdale, Season 3, Episode 15, Chapter 50, American Dreams. As Gladys prepares for FP's 50th birthday party, Jughead questions his mom's motives for returning to Riverdale. Nailed it. Nailed it. I'm TV genius. I, I mean, anyone could have called this. I said on our uh, last episode that there was going to be a reference to 50 like 50th of something and there's going to be a birthday cake at some point that was before they started releasing pictures for this episode (laughs) so i'm like yep i'm amazing i mean that you are but we already knew that it's true all right recap the recap archie protected hiram hiram called a truce archie was named the red paladin ricky tried to kill archie jughead finds a serpent purpose deputizes the gang alice sold the house betty started a fire veronica and reggie are on the hook with gladys jughead can't find out and gladys and jb are on their grift this is a good episode. There's a lot going on. That's fine. As this we- was a good episode of television, uh, not just Riverdale. Uh, uh, eh. yeah, we still have the whole Cheryl Tony nonsense. Well, but it this was a pretty good episode. It was a great Jughead episode, and it's a great core four episode in some ways. Eh, not exactly, but like there was a lo- it was more core four focused, which was nice. Yeah. So we have the we're at the Jones trailer. Everyone's smiling. Everyone's eating breakfast. Jughead's typing away on his thing, and you know he's watching his mom make his dad breakfast, and they're all happy. And he sees his parents almost kiss, and FP catches sight of Jughead watching this, and just he's got a smile on his face. And they're all like, "All right, we're we got to go somewhere. It's an early birthday gift for your dad." <laughs> so they get in the car and. All of a sudden, they're at their location. They get out, and FP's super nervous, and they are in front of the Cooper house. And like, what, what, what's going on? What is this? And then Alice and Betty walk out, and Gladys is just like, "What the hell is Alice Cooper doing in my house?" Everything is awkward. Super awkward. So Gladys didn't realize that this was the Cooper house. She certainly doesn't know what's been going on between FP and Alice. Alice is extremely blonde here. Like, she's yeah. gotten blonder. I saw that, too. I was like, why is she so blonde? She's been purified by the farm. Uh, they <laughs> they go inside. Jelly Bean's instantly, like, going upstairs to, <laughs> like, go find out which one's going to be her room. And, you know, FP's just like, let's just walk away from this. It's not a big deal. And Alice thinks for a minute and goes, you know what? No, I'm just ready to walk away from all of this. So it's not necessary. I'm done with this. And so we cut to Jughead and Betty on the steps outside, and Jughead's like, we're, we're not going to move in. <laughs> and Betty just goes, you want to bet? <laughs> My mom wants to sell it. Your mom wants to buy it. It's done. None of the dads. I love when they walk in. It was like, I sold it to the Joneses. Not me. Nope, no, not us. And, and Jughead Joe. are like, no, no. Uh-uh, we had nothing to do with this, Betty. <laughs> and so, like, Jughead tries to be like, well, if we do move in, you can stay in your room, which is sweet, a little weird, but sweet. And she's just like, no, that's going to be weird. I think I'm going to keep crashing at V's until I figure out what to do. Jughead's like, yeah, okay, all right. And then they're like, all right, let's go have breakfast with the marked man. <laughs> Jug- Jughead's kind of sarcastic this episode, and I like it. He's getting back to normal Jug. Well, Riverdale normal Jug. He's coming off the, the G&G high a little bit, finally. We head over to Pops, and they're talking with Archie. Jughead's pulled all the files from the sheriff's office on Ward Norton, and they found the quest card. And it's the same one that Ricky had. 
and they figured out, all right, they're the same. So same design, same card stock. So someone had to have printed out multiples of them. We just need to figure out who. Archie says, I know where to start. Which, you know, okay, points to Archie for not being dumb. There's a there's a plot set up here. <gasps> there's a payoff to the plot set up. What? All right, we go over to Cheryl's room, and she thrusts a parka in Tony's hands. <laughs> Think perfect for Quebec, n'est-ce pas? And Tony's like, what are we doing? Cheryl's grasping at straws. Cheryl says, "Let's get. we're going to go to Mont Blanc for spring break. And Tony is just like, all right, well, we were going to do a road trip to Sugar Lake. Cheryl's very put out by this. Fine. We don't have to go to the mountains. We don't have to go anywhere ever. And Tony's just like, I'm not saying that. But then her phone goes off. She's like, I'm running late for work. And you know, she's like, oh, can we talk about this later? And Cheryl is just so fucking put out by the fact that Tony has a life away from her. So that's true. Mm-hmm. But at least this is a real moment. That, this is a believable moment from yes, Cheryl for yes. once. Like, she, ma- Cheryl made an assumption without talking to Tony. And then it's almost like Cheryl doesn't realize that, of course, she would be included in that trip. She's a pretty poison as well. But, of course, Cheryl has to be queen bee of everything. So because it's not her idea and she's not paying for it and she's not controlling it, she doesn't want anything to do with it. So if we had some nuance in this show, I think the way to fix this would be that the assumption is Cheryl wants one thing that she feels like she's in control of. Mm-hmm. Or when she starts to lose control, it really starts to freak her out because, yeah. you know, for so long her life was completely out of her control. Well, this- there's there's some meat that you could hang this on if oh, we had little. done this artfully. We head over to the Pembroke study, and Archie is there to talk to Hiram. He's just like, look, I had a homeless kid try to stab me. He had one of these. He shows him the card, and he's like, you started this quest, and it keeps going. And Hiram's like, well, you know, we we have a truce, you and I. And Archie's like, did you give a quest card to Norton? Yes. Did you give out any others? And Hiram finally admits, I printed out a dozen. I gave three to Norton and nine to Tallboy to distribute. And that's the way it is. And she's like, okay, well, the clock is still running. I need to find the people with those. So Hiram gives him a list of places that Fizzle Rock and like-minded aficionados might hang out with. And so you can go find them there. So it's like, oh, yay, here's a new quest for Archie. Hey, he's got a purpose. It it is a purpose. He's been pretty fucking aimless for the past few episodes. I'm fine with it because we're finally going to pay off all the boxing shit. So now we're at Pops and, you know, Reggie's at the door upstairs. Cheryl shows up as Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Cheryl Hood. And he's like, hey, Red Hot, what's in the basket? (laughs) Freshly baked cherry scones for my TT, a gesture of goodwill after our disagreement. And she's like, okay, where's she stationed? And Reggie gets really nervous. He's like, she's downstairs. He'll see her. And Cheryl goes downstairs and she sees all the poisons and Tony dancing on stage and singing with Veronica. And Cheryl is pissed. I understand Cheryl's annoyance at this. I thought you were at work and here you are just partying. Well, this is part of her job. So it's kind of like being mad at a stripper and then you go like, you're taking off all your clothes for all these people. The problem isn't that she's mad. The problem is, is that the writers have not escalated this 
accurately mm-hmm. for us to believe and sympathize with Cheryl being mad in this moment. It would have worked better if Cheryl had texted Tony like, hey, are you going to be home soon? Tony's like, no, I got to work late. And then she shows up there and Tony's not really working. She's singing and dancing. That would be a situation where Cheryl would have every right to be completely put out and angry. This is just her being jealous. So I go over to the sheriff's office and it's Allison FP. FP's trying to assure her I didn't know Gladys was even looking at real estate. And Alice is just like, you know, that house means nothing to me. But I wish I could say the same thing about you and Gladys. And oh, Skeet Ulrich is so good in this scene because you can see how torn he is. He's just like, you know, we're we're still married. And Alice says, yeah, but Gladys left you and Jughead don't forget that, which is true. We still don't understand, know the real circumstances of why that happened. And FP's like, no, but like that was my fault. I was a no good husband and a rotten father, which we also know was true. But there's another part of this that we don't know about. And Alice is so vulnerable. And she just says, do you love her, FP? And FP just says, she's the mother of my children, which is not an answer. Mm-mm. And she says, and me, do you love me? And he's, you can see he's trying not to cry. It doesn't matter now. It's over. I'm sorry. In no way is it goddamn over. No, he is so clearly still in love with her. Oh, yeah. And he's very conflicted about Gladys, which makes total sense. And that is completely earned and fair because he's looking at it at my family's back together. I don't want to break that up just because I have this with you. Like if I have a chance to give my kids the house the complete package. I want to do that. Yeah. So this isn't going to end well, but I love it. <laughs> well, it's going to drive Alice even further into the farm. No, it's just gonna. It's just gonna break him down when he really sees what Gladys has been doing. Well, of course, which is great. We go over to the speakeasy again, and Reggie's ready to talk business. He says, "I've invested a lot of time here. Bartender, bouncer, delivery man, pit boss—you name it." I've also made a lot of sacrifices, like giving my car to Gladys. So I'm thinking I want to be your business partner. This is fair. Reggie really has done all this shit. And as far as we know, he's not really getting paid. It's fair for him to ask. Mm -hmm. Veronica's response, her first response, is actually fine. True. She says, I still owe a lot of money to my father and Gladys, and it wouldn't be wise for me to begin another partnership right now. Also, a fair statement. Yeah, that's completely smart business, and I get Mm -hmm. it. And again, Reggie, this is good negotiating. Veronica, I know what I'm worth. You should know it too. Because he's sticking up for himself. He's like, look, I'm not going to keep doing this if I don't get something in return. And this is all about business. And Veronica just becomes fucking untouchable bitch. And she's almost exactly like Cheryl in this moment. Uh, believe me, I do. But to quote my abuelita, no one walks on water in my place except well, me. Why you got to do that? Why you got to do that, Veronica? Like, why you got to take it there? Like, if she just said, look, I'm going to have to think this over because I, I know I can't do that now, but maybe we can figure something out. Okay. Like, that's not a no, but it's not a yes. Oh, Veronica. Oh, you bitch. So we go back to the trailer and Jughead starts talking with his mom. And he just wants to know, you know, what's going on with the house? You know, it seems permanent. Because all this time, Jughead's been holding his breath that his mom and sister are leaving again. And she's just like, you, you know, yeah, I've been looking for a while. Where'd you get that kind of money? I sold the chop shop in Toledo. Is there a problem, Jug? 
you know, Jug is on the case. It's just like, you know, even back, you've made some shady moves buying the Cooper house, foisting the gargoyles on me. And, you know, we also haven't had a single conversation since you've been back. So what's your plan? And Gladys gives this whole song about how it was really good to see FP in Toledo. And she remembered what was wrong. I don't think this is a song and dance. Not completely, but she's pulling the heartstrings. Like, this isn't the real reason she's back at all. I think it's both. I think it's a both and situation. I mean, it is, but she's still lying to him. To me, I see it as she's like reverse Hermione. She's bizarro Hermione in that all she understands is grifting. Mm -hmm. And so her idea of we're going to get ahead and finally have the family life we want. Well, okay. So she gives all this like, you know, I want to get JB in school, find myself a job, maybe at a garage. Doesn't that sound good? And Jack is like, yeah, is it true? And that's when she pulls the like, look, kid, you don't know how good you have it. We had to do shit we aren't proud of to get food in your belly and a roof over your head. Which is ignoring the fact that she left and her son was homeless. Now, granted, Jughead was homeless almost by choice, but still, still, she's completely glossing over all of that. And she's responsible for that to a degree. You know, like, I don't want to, like, say that FP isn't also and that Jughead didn't also make some choices in there, but she's pretending that didn't happen here. And so she's like, okay, um, but you're the writer in the family. I want you to give a speech at your dad's 50th birthday party. Completely fair. Yeah, true, true. And Jughead's very conflicted, but he's like, okay, I'll do it. And then right before he he makes a little face and Jughead mm-hmm. is suspicious. Yeah. Riverdale. All right, we come back and we're in the school classroom again. <laughs> and it's time to officially like deputize the serpents. And we've got Tom Keller there. And he's just like, all right, so over the next couple of months, we're going to do basic training. And each junior deputy is going to be paired with an officer who will mentor them. So I like this. This is a good plan. This is cool. Except why didn't we have a montage? I know. I would like to see. All, but then they would have had to get more grownups and more like people involved. But whatever. I, I need a sweet pea and Fangs Fogarty montage. Of cop basic training. I need one of them to say, it's really fun to ride in the front for once. <laughs> I need that to happen. I need that to happen in my life. But FP's just like, drughead boy, you're riding with me. Boy. So then they get in the car and they're patrolling and they have this nice conversation that reiterates the fact that FP is really proud of himself. He thought 50 was going to be his expiration date. And so he's just really proud that like, even though it took him till 50, He's able to like provide for his kids and we're all back together. And he's really proud of his kids. That's the big yeah. thing. That, Jughead says like, what's the best thing? And he says, you and your sister. That's what I'm most proud of. They get a call on the radio. We've got a 1023 at the chocolate shop. And I'm away. I'm like, what's a 1023? They're at Pops. And apparently Fizzle Rock's junkie spazzed out and threw hot coffee on Dolores and ran out. Poor Dolores. Yeah, and Veronica's delivering this information to FP. And Jughead's like, yeah, I thought Fizzle Rocks were gone. This whole candy epidemic was over. And FP says, yeah, but I've heard that someone wants to reopen the candy store. And we get this exchange between Veronica and Jughead. And Jughead's just like, I wonder who. Because, of course, he assumes it's Hiram. Mm-hmm. And Veronica is just like, mm-hmm, that's a good question. Suspicious. Can I also say that he's like, are we really doing this, Dad? It's going to be like Norman Rockwell with leather jackets. 
true. We go over to Thistlewood and Cheryl's looking for Tony and she comes up across Nana Rose. Where is she? Oh, I haven't seen her since she gave me an envelope of money. What for? She called it rent. (laughs) Fascinating. Like, Cheryl's furious about this. Okay. Again, I've got this disconnect because I don't have any actual lead up to this. It's like we're missing 10 different scenes. Yeah. She went from zero to bitch. And she never had any cool down time to yeah. ramp up into this anger. Well, again, where was the scene where Tony was worried about money and Cheryl was just like, you live with me. Don't don't worry about anything. And Tony's like, no, I need to be paying rent. Like, I want to pay my own way. Like that, like there is a class thing that's not being discussed. And it just feels like we're just getting these very small glimpses of this relationship. And it's not good character building. All right, so cut to a different envelope of money. We're in the speakeasy, and Veronica has an offer for Reggie. I've been thinking about our conversation, and I think this is a good, fair starting salary for you. And if she hadn't already said fuck you to him, this might be acceptable. And so, like, Reggie, he's being a little of a dick about this. He goes, oh, so I'm a hired hand to you. You think I'm here busting my ass to make minimum wage? To which Veronica rightly responds, this That's is more way than, more than minimum wage. Which is fair. Yeah. But also, why wasn't she paying him before? He's been working way too long to be not be getting a cut of stuff. Correct. Like, I understand, like, not giving him a straight up salary, but being like, oh, we just brought in $10,000. Here's your cut. Like, you get, you know, 500 bucks, whatever. Whatever oh, this it would is. make a whole lot of sense. She's like, buy yourself something pretty. Exactly. <laughs> and Reggie just says, you know, like, oh, this is enough to buy a clean conscience. So she's like, you need to take the night off, clear your head, and recalibrate your attitude. Reggie's just like, yeah, that's a good call. And he just like tosses the money to the side and leaves. He's Uh, being a little pissier than he needs to be. He is, but... She's also being way too hard. She's gone full Hiram. It's like, what? I gave you money. Shut the fuck up and get back to work. And it's like, no, he's telling you I deserve more. I know what I'm worth. And I've sacrificed a lot for this. And not only this, but for you specifically. And you're acting like you're entitled to all of it. My biggest hope out of this is that it gets resolved in a way where they both have to meet each other halfway. And where Veronica gets this realization of, I can't do this like my dad. Well, she's doing to him what her dad has done to her mom as far as we know yeah and i don't think reggie needs to meet her anyway he's full on for the business he's ready to do whatever it takes for the business but he needs to be compensated and she needs to come to that realization exactly and their personal relationship is not a part of that which i also like that that is not a part of any of this conversation it isn't alluded to so they get points for that from me Uh, it's not near the end it is it does in the later part of the conversation, like when we finally like when they break up, that's fine because that makes sense. But here it's just about business. <sighs> we go down to the bunker and Jughead has his snacks. I love I love eating Jughead. When Jughead's no, no, eating, no, no, no. he feels fabulous. <laughs> so, OK, we know about 12 quest cards. Here's the list. 
And they're like, okay, let's start with the comic book shop and we can tap into Riverdale's gaming network. And Jughead goes, and so continues our nerdiest mystery yet. <laughs> and that's OG fine. Scooby gang. That's fine. I love that. So we go to the comic book store. They go into the back room. Someone's playing a game. Bunch of goobers. This is a sacred space. <laughs> Sheath your sword, game master. So dirty and gross. <laughs> so they, that's a really good pun. It is. It's great. So they ask about, like, hey, do you know what this card means? Yeah. And that quest is in play here. And yeah, we know who you are, Red Paladin. And Archie's like, come on up. Come at me. Come on. And it's like, no, that's an advanced quest and people have to prepare for it. <laughs> uh, and it's like, but sooner or later, someone's going to come for you, which is all fair. So, okay. We know that, like, okay, all the nerds are aware. It's all fair, except this never fucking happens. I don't know. There are some people who are crazy. Well, if they're on drugs, maybe. I mean, you add the drugs to it. You know, where are you? Meth is a hell of a drug. Now we get a B&V scene that we had, like, like, we haven't had one of those in forever. I think since the beginning of the season. With a real weird-ass shift for Veronica. I like it, though. I do like it. So, yeah, we're they're talking. You know, they're in Veronica's room. Kind of, like, sleep over in it a little bit. And Veronica just is like, okay... I have to tell you, because I don't want you to get caught up in it, even by association, Gladys Jones is here to take over the drug trade. And Betty's just like, okay, you have to tell me everything, and then I have to tell Jughead. And the thing I really like about this scene is it's very, I know a thing, I'm going to tell a person who can do something about the thing. (laughs) Not, I'm going to keep it to myself or tell my boyfriend who will do nothing with this information. At this point, they've grown up enough and dealt with it enough to just be like, fucking shit, I can't hold this one back. And with, you know, them being in your old house and you maybe eventually wanting to be with Jughead, you need to know this. Yeah. Right now we're back in the bunker and (laughs) Archie Jughead and Betty are talking through what they're going to do about the quest cards. And so they've finally figured out, okay... Remember we used to play King of the Mountain and Archie's like, no, not really. It's like, well, you won every time. And Archie smiles. (laughs) And so they figure out, okay, they're going to have the Red Paladin defend his mountaintop for 12 hours, dust till dawn. And anyone who has this card can come and take you down. And they're going to make it look like it's a quest from the Gargoyle King. Yeah. And if nobody can beat you, the sacrifice is lifted. And Archie's like, all right, let's do it. But he's like, no, no, no. If we're going to do that, no weapons, hand-to-hand combat only, only one challenger at a time. Thank you, Logical Betty. (laughs) Thank you for being a grown-up in the room. Betty makes the rules. So they they figure out, okay, we're going to have to find a place. Archie's like, I think I know someone who can help us with that. So he leaves. Jack says, I'm going to start riding and I'll call you. Um, I know it's risky, but it's better to see them coming, right? And and then Betty's like, right, it's better to see it coming. Okie doke. <laughs> and Betty tells Jughead what she knows about his mom. And Jughead listens to this and he's like, who's your source? And she's just like, I can't tell you, but it's trustworthy. And Jughead's just, you can tell on Jughead's face that he knows this is true. He knows. He automatically knows it's true. But he he doesn't want it to be because he doesn't think his sister has anything to do with it, which is going to be his first mistake. And he doesn't want to hurt his dad. And so... So he says, okay, um, thank you for telling me, but I'm going to have to look into it on my own. And Betty's like, no, let me help. He says, nope, nope. And we got to help Archie finish his quest. I'll let you know if I find out anything. 
a boy who listens to his girlfriend. A boy who listens. I yeah. mean, come on. Like, I don't care if it's girlfriend, best friend, dad, mom, whatever. He just, he got information. I'm going to look into it. Doesn't really react. So we go back to the Pembroke and Archie is talking to Hiram, tells him about what's going on. Hiram gives him the keys to an old gym on the Sweetwater Docks. That's he just does that smirk and point. He does. He does a smirk and point really well. Got that idea. It's like it's sitting there. Here you go. You're welcome to use it. And Archie says, thank you and goes. So now Archie's at the gym and it's super gross and dirty. And it's rocky. Yeah, it's rocky. And <laughs> so, you know, then we cut to Jughead. They're on the phone. Okay, yeah, we figured out a place and... Yeah, I've, I've gotten the quest written. I'm going to have the guys distribute it the same way Hiram did. And then we cut to, we're back in the bunker, and it's Sweet Pea and Fangs, Old Deuteronomy, Weasel, <laughs> Termite, and Jinx. So then apparently now we've got names for them all. This cut was so good because it's Jughead ripping the paper out of the typewriter. And then handing, handing it directly it to the guys. It's so good. And so they're going to wear their masks. The whole point is you need to entice people to come to the mountaintop. And so then he's like, hey, one more thing. We're hitting not just gaming spots, but Fizzle Rock hot spots. And there's a rumor that a new player's in town uh, looking to restart. Get any information you can discreetly. And if you find out, tell me and only me. And f- like Fangs and Sweet Pea are kind of like, oh, okay. This is a little, that does not going to be great. So they all go. <sighs> now we're back to the speakeasy. And Reggie has been brought in by Gladys. Your bozo boy toy here thought it was wise to steal his car back before we settled our account. Not smart. Mm, mm, Reggie. Reggie. Veronica is just like, okay, I know I can make it up to you. I'll cover the expenses for your husband's 50th at Le Bon Nuit. And Gladys says, okay, but tell your arm candy to keep away from my damn property. She leaves. And then Veronica pours herself to drink and she starts yelling at Reggie. How could you have been stupid? You were this close to paying off her debt to her and my father. And Reggie's like, I'm sorry. You're sorry, Reggie. This is how wars start. And Reggie's just like, damn it, Veronica. I gave you everything. I wanted to get my damn car back at least. And he's got a point. Because the first thing she should have done in terms of this partnership deal was make him whole, which is get his fucking car back. That should have been the first thing. It's like, look, I don't know if I can make you a partner, but let me get you your car back because that was a huge sacrifice and I'm in a position to at least do that right now. That would have delayed any other conversations for so long. Reggie was stupid to try to steal it. Oh my God. That is classic 16-year-old boy. That's his love, his his beloved car. Okay, dumb, dumb Reggie. But he's okay. reacting as a teen to her in this moment. Exactly, because now that he's no, he's decided he's no longer in the business, he's hurt by the relationship aspect uh-huh. of this all. Because he knows he can't keep seeing her if this is how she treats him in the workplace. And let's be clear, Veronica makes very salient points in this conversation. True. I mean, she's not wrong, but she's also, the way she's handling it is wrong. I do find this interesting. It could be so easy to be like, oh, I hate her. But on the other hand, I'm like, this makes a lot of sense for her because the only thing she's ever seen as a model is her mom and her dad. Yeah, but at a certain point, you have to break your fucking cycle. You do, but she's not in any position to do that right now. No, because she's really fucking stupid. I just, if they pay this off later, I think this is actually really good. And it's actually really well done because she's 
having to learn how she's actually going to be a businesswoman and possibly be different than her dad or not. She might stay that way. Mm-hmm. So we cut to later that night at the speakeasy and it is casino time everything's popping and Cheryl walks in with a gorgeous red dress that is the most one of the most beautiful dresses I've seen in a long time she does look phenomenal I mean Cheryl's there to be extra (sighs) always extra and Tony sees her like what are you doing here I'm working I'm not here for you babe I was in the mood to gamble so no ulterior motives then only to win, of course. Now be a doll and fetch me a Bellini, why don't you? Gross. That's fucking rude, because she knows she's not a waitress. And fucking awful as well. And so then Tony starts watching Cheryl, who is literally just casing the place. She's just watching where all the money goes. And she's being so obvious about it. She's not even trying. And Cheryl's she's just a fucking entitled bitch. Yes. Like, there's nothing redeemable about her in this situation at all. No. All right, so now we're at the old gym, and the the three are waiting. I guess we didn't give enough time to get the word around, and all of a sudden, someone busts in. I'm here for the Red Paladin. I wrote, in walks a bunch of dorks. No. Jacked, ripped dorks. It's like, oh, the costume goons show up. All of the CW extras. <laughs> it was... Wow, you're all a bunch of nerds, but you're also the most oily, jacked nerds I've ever seen in my life. Nerds can be jacked. It's all right. Especially if they've been preparing for this quest. They've got to get prepared for a quest. That's why it's been taking so long. Oh, no. It was pretty entertaining to be like, this is fun. fun. I was was into it. I was into it. So they start fighting. The Jug Rules of Fight Club. Yeah. Uh, Approach this hallowed battleground. Submit your Kill the Red Paladin card. Bring the paladin to his knees in three minutes and your quest is won. However, should you run out of time, should you fall to the paladin's hand, then your quest is over. So, okay, like this has been a great payoff to Archie's boxing throughout the whole season. So I'm cool with it. And it's a funny, it's a funny on the comic book twist. It's also playing on the fact that we are in a comic book world on a network that deals primarily now in comic book shit. I am totally okay with this. And this is a great way to try to end this gargoyle shit. We're not going to fully end it yet, but this is a great way to be like, okay, we're going to end this part of it. We're ending the paladin quest. Like to wrap this chapter up in this saga, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. I don't think the gargoyle king's done by a long shot, Mm -hmm. but I do think kill the red paladin is over. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to go some back and forth between the nightclub and this gym and the series of fights that Archie's going to have. So we're at the nightclub. Cheryl has broken in and she's trying to break the safe. And as she's trying to open it, the lights come on. And it's Tony. She's like, what do we have here? And Cheryl just turns around, takes off her hood and tussles her hair out. It's like lying in wait for me. Colored me shocked. And Tony's just like, you know, I know you were casing the place and you wanted me to know about it. Cheryl's like, so what are you going to do now? And she's all, you know, cuff me. And she's all like, like, this is the start of a porn, basically. It is. But Tony subverts the porn thing to look at her and be like, fine, bitch. All right. Let's go. She starts to unzip her cat suit and they put a hand in a back pocket and they start making out and clothes start coming off. And it is pretty hot. They got real with it. And that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I hate the scene 
because of how they've dealt with the characters. Oh, yeah. But in terms of representation, I really like that they showed a girl and girl scene. And I also like that they showed two ladies who are clearly enjoying themselves sexually. Uh huh. Because we don't see the ladies enjoying themselves sexually with the dudes. So, you know, ladies, get yours. <laughs> with a dude, with a lady, with a whatever you choose to identify by yourself, just get yours. If you're gonna have sex, enjoy it. Do a good job. <laughs> just do a good job. All right. We go back to the fighting. Okay, only 11 cards here. That means there's more coming. We get Captain Golightly from Leopold and Loeb. He was Norton's lapdog. And so, like, they're just like, okay, do you think you can do it? And Archie's like, I want the sacrifice off of me. Jughead's just staring and then puts the mic up and goes, enter the Kraken. (laughs) I I was into that. That that cracked me up. We cut back to the nightclub. There's some blindfolding going on. We got girls in their underwear. There's some teasing. There's some lady orgasms. This is fucking hot. It's hot. Fine with all of that. (laughs) We go back to the gym. Goliath's like, this one's for the warden. And Archie ducks and misses it. And then he goes back and goes, this one's for me. And before he gets a chance to hit Archie, Archie uppercuts him with that perfect like, fist and yeah, knocks him with, right yeah, out. Yeah, because he knows how to throw a punch. So, okay, he sacrificed no more. They're all happy because Archie's won. He's he's good. Oh, that was a cute moment. It was cute because Jughead puts a like a red robe over Archie and like they're all hugging him. It's very cute. And also, like, they're giggling the entire time while they're doing this, being like, this is fucking ridiculous, but awesome, dude. You're not going to die anymore. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so now we're back at the nightclub. The ladies have finished. They're all dressed. They're, they're sitting at the bar. Well, that was hot and nice. And Cheryl is like, agreed. And Tony's like, but I think we need to talk about what's going on between us. And now Cheryl's getting put out. What is that exactly? I think you have a problem with the poisons because for once I'm in charge of something and you're not. Finally. Finally. Truth. Not accusatory, but like, I think this is what's going on. Yes. Cheryl's false. I'm upset because you seem to want to spend all your time with them instead of me. Cheryl, I love you. And yet I can't spend all my time cooped up in that house in your bedroom. Our bedroom. That's exactly it. It doesn't feel like our bedroom. It's entirely yours, your space. And that's 100% true. Uh There's nothing in that room that looks like Tony. There's nothing about that room that says Tony. And Cheryl's just like, well, it sounds, Tony, like you regret moving in with me. And Tony's like, maybe it was too soon, too fast. And Cheryl's just like, in that case, maybe moving out is exactly what needs to happen. And she gets all huffy and runs out of the room. And she's just being all pathetic and bitchy. And it's just ridiculous. She's awful. Now we're back at the Pembroke with Hiram. And Archie is all beat up. (laughs) And he's returning the keys to Hiram. Hiram's like, was it a successful night? Time will tell. But yes, the quest you set in motion is finished. Very good, Archie. I want you to keep those. And the gym. Archie's like, I appreciate it, but I don't want to be in your debt. Okay, so Archie's learned something from Hiram. Uh-huh. He's, he's learning. Yay, Archie's learned. <laughs> Archie learned a thing. And Hiram just says, you know, it's not a debt. It's compensation. It's a way for me to make amends since I was responsible for launching the Red Paladin quest in the first place. Take the keys. Jim's yours. No strings attached. 
And there's a linger on the camera over the keys, and then Archie takes it. And he says, thank you, Mr. Lodge. It's hard to suss out because, I mean, Hiram's the snake in the grass, and you can never trust him. But there's genuine regret on that face. This one felt real because Hiram has underestimated Archie. At every single turn. I mean, Archie is dumb, and he was malleable, but Archie has honor. I want to believe that this is burying the hatchet to some degree, Mm -hmm. at least for the moment. But you never know with him. I don't know what would happen with it. I hope this is one of those rare instances where there is no ulterior motive. Just like a, hey, let's make good. We're on equal ground. Like, I don't need this. It could work out well for you. I just really want the comic book dynamic of Hiram thinking Archie is a big dumb idiot and just making fun of him constantly. He hates Archie, doesn't want him near his daughter, but he can't help but be like, he's basically harmless. Yeah. He's essentially a harmless dude. That would be such a fun dynamic to play with. So we go back to the nightclub and Veronica is, you know, putting tablecloths on. Reggie shows up. like, hey, can I help you? And Veronica's like, okay, you can start by telling me what's gotten into you. Are you seriously self-destructing because I won't make you your partner? And Reggie says, partly, but I've got an issue with how I'm being treated by you. And she's just like, really? She's like incredulous at this fact. I want to be more than your errand boy or pit boss or casual hookup. I want to matter, Ronnie. She's like, you do matter. And lest we forget, I just went through a wrenching breakup a few months ago. So I'm taking things slow. This is not fucking slow. You got a new lap dog and a new boy toy. There's nothing slow about this. <laughs> like there, There's nothing slow about this, Veronica. No. And Reggie says, you know, answer me honestly. Would we even be dating if not for the speakeasy? And Veronica says, probably not. But I'm glad we are. Aren't you? Reggie says, I've given up so much for you, and I feel like you owe me, and I'm not getting an ounce in return. And he's not really wrong. No. He's not. And Veronica's like, okay, in that case, I bought your car back from Gladys. Now we don't owe each other anything. And the way she's behaving just proves that Reggie was nothing but transactional to her. Mm-hmm. He was just meat. And I I love that here we have, this is the third time We've had a dude on this show say what he needs emotionally and stick up for himself. We had Sweet Pea do it with Josie and be like, I'm not built for just the casual thing. We had Kevin be like, I need more from you, Moose. And now we have Reggie being like, okay, it's not just about the relationship stuff. It's about the business stuff. Like, I know I deserve more than to just be your lap dog. I love that. That's a fun way to like flip that trope. I just don't want to make all of our female characters manipulative and awful. They're not. I especially want to leave room mm-hmm. for Veronica to learn from this. I think we will, because that doesn't make sense for Cheryl to learn this lesson well, this no. way. Cheryl I can learn anything. Veronica's not going to have Reggie, and then she's going to realize what she's lost. And then she's going to go back and say, you were right. You were absolutely right, and I treated you like crap. And so will you be my partner? <laughs> Yeah. Or can we be together, but you have nothing to do with the business? Like, there's going to have to be something to that effect. Something. But just to just to have that moment of contrition so she realizes, ah, oh, shit, I can't do this this way. Mm-hmm. This is not going to be okay, period. Yeah. We go back to the bunker and things in Sweet Pea have come up with some information for Jughead. And, like, and it's not great. Like, yeah, it's bad news, Jughead. 
So now we're at the trailer, and Gladys is making FP's favorite fried chicken. Ooh, this is a barn burner. <sighs> Jughead comes in, and he's just like, I've been hearing rumors that you didn't move to town to get the family back together, but instead take the drug trade from Hiram Lodge. You know anything about that? It was never one for small town gossip. Is it true? Yeah, it's true. Okay, so I appreciate that she, when he flat out asked her, she flat out told him the truth. Yeah. Like, yeah. So he's like, why did you do it? She goes, I did it for you, for your sister. Hell, I even did it for your dad. It's about time the Joneses got a taste of the American dream. And Jack is like, no, you don't get to put this on us. This is criminal and selfish. And he's right. Here's where this worm turns for Gladys of her not being the I'm manipulative and, and I'm hiding myself. Yeah. But she's out front about her grift yeah. because she just goes, do you know where we come from? What we have to claw through to get any status in this town. Yeah. And, you know, she's just like, you know, we did our best. We survived. Now we're moving to Elm Street, which is all your father ever wanted. Which is like, a, oh, shit. This is not Gladys's life that just she wants. her. It's not just her that has had this dream. No. But Jughead says, like, dad would not be okay knowing how you paid for that place, which is exactly why you're not going to say a word to him. It would break him again. What the fuck did you do, Gladys? Okay, we, we've posited before that we believe that she snitched and she's the reason he went to prison. That's one possibility. That makes a lot of sense. Or she framed him. That could be it, too. That would make a lot of That would be Gladys' move. That's the most likely scenario. The only other thing I can think of is something with Atlas. Yeah. But the stakes are much higher with that other end. Yeah. But I, the thing I love about her saying, you will break him again, it's not the... I'm going to manipulate it because I, I don't want to get in trouble. She's dead serious. You do not get to break down your father again after what we went through the last time. I won't let that happen. She's dead serious. About no, it. she's dead serious because, well, here's the thing she knows if this doesn't work out, it's never going to get back together. Exactly. This is the one shot to keep this going. And here's the other thing FP's the sheriff. If they break up, he's coming after her. Because she is not in a position of power when it comes to FP. Yeah. So now we're at the nightclub, but it's daytime. and Everybody's there for the birthday party. And it's really cute and sweet. There's this moment with FP and Fred. And FP's like, I feel like I stumbled into a party and people are about to ask who let you in. And Fred just like, everybody takes their own path, FP. And your path brought you right here. And now we're going to be neighbors. And I'm happy about it. Which is so sweet. It's a little dagger to the heart. And it's, well, because Fred has always looked at Jughead as his other son. Oh, yeah. That's his other kid. And FP has similarly been like, Red is my other kid. Yeah. Those two just went together. And he always knew that the Andrews house was a safe place for his family. Always was. So, okay. Next time on Setup. <sighs> now we're at Thistlewood and Cheryl is praying croquet. And Kevin's like, okay, I got your message, Cheryl. I'm so sorry to hear about Tony. Oh, Kevin, are you familiar with the phrase, que sera, sera? Sure, it means whatever will be, will be. It's also heavily featured in the iconic high school black comedy, Heathers. By the way, did you know there's a musical version of it? Cheryl, the farm is co-sponsoring the musical this year, and we're doing Godspell. <laughs> love it. Fucking love it. The only other option that would have been amazing was hair. Love it. Uh, Godspell's Ooh. even better. It is, but I would have accepted hair, because rights. <laughs> 
Uh, Cheryl just said, not anymore. I need to focus my rage. Therefore, this year's musical is Heather's. You're directing. I'm playing HBIC Heather Chandler. Any questions? I thought not. Okay, bye. <laughs> and Kevin making She's that. Like, I've been... I've been bamboozled. <laughs> I've been bamboozled by Shell again. She did this last year with Carrie. I'm like, I'm in a cult. I'm assertive now. What is happening? How do I get railroaded by Cheryl Blossom again? <laughs> so he just walks off. And of course, I highly suggest watching Heather's before the next episode because Heather's is great. Not the TV show, which I do want to watch. Just no, for the, no. The cringe factor. Oh, I, I will Damn, throw stuff. I, at I the know television. you will, but I think it'll be fun. We'll no, just it get, won't. We'll get drunk and watch it. It really we'll won't. Be. Talk about it. If you want to hear us talk about Heather's, we covered that on Macintosh and Mod. Haven't seen what? We'll throw a link to that episode in the show notes for this episode. So you can go listen to that if you want to hear our breakdown of that. So now we're back at the party and it's time for Jughead to give his speech. And it's really sweet. And he's like, you know, it's no secret. The Jones men really don't like the birthday parties. We're a rather broody bunch. (laughs) Um, But nothing he could write would be as fascinating as his dad's story. From the wrong side of the tracks to sheriff, the right side of the law. (laughs) And he just kind of does says this thing about, I'm proud to be your son. I'm proud to share your name. Because he is Forsyth Pendleton Jones the third. Yep. Uh, and I'm proud to be a part of your amazing story. And it's so sweet. And you can tell that Jughead does legitimately mean all of that. Yep. And then he says, there's something you need to know about this family. Yeah. And Gladys starts it's, to go. It's nervous. Like, no, no, no. We'll always be there for you. Me and Jellybean and mom. And she is so relieved. <sighs> okay. <and> <laughs> So, you know, Effie gets all cry face and they hug and everyone's, you know, just happy. They're cutting cake, blah, blah, blah. And Jughead and Betty are standing away from the group. That was a beautiful speech, Jug. Thanks. Most of it was true. <laughs> what are you going to do now? Save Jellybean, protect my dad, and run my mom out of town. Do you want to help? And Betty just kind of slowly grins, They both hugs have, him a little bit. They both have this serial killer smile of like, we have a plan. <laughs> and it's so adorable. Riverdale. Oh, it was a fun episode. That was a fun episode. That scene is probably the best scene Cole's done in this entire series. This episode is one of Cole's best episodes in the series. And what's so amazing is Skeet is just absorbing and reacting perfectly to all of it. Oh, yes, absolutely. The way they lit him this whole episode of Mm -hmm. like the lights shining on him and just having this halo around him at Mm -hmm. all times, he's just beaming and he's just effusing this like, damn it, I made it. I finally fucking made it. Yeah, like he knows he's like things have been weird, but he's proud of himself. Like, it's like, okay, I didn't, I don't like the way I got here, but I'm glad that I got here. And not in a, a not in an arrogant way, but no. it's just in a, huh, I can breathe. Like, life is good. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is a great episode. I'm super excited about the next one. It's a musical episode. It was very, it split the fandom a lot last season. A lot of people hated it. Some people loved it. I just think it's a standard high school trope. So I'm all in on it, especially with the show as campy as this show can be. Yeah. Fuck, if Casey Cott doesn't sing, I'll be pissed. But I am looking for, I want more of the Kevin and Fang show. Yeah, a little bit. That was my favorite part of the last one. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. 
why don't we go catch a preview mm-hmm. and see what we think we can expect for this big musical episode. All right. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We've got a Patreon, patreon.com slash Macintosh and Mod. And that's where you can get all of our extra movie coverage, a little extra from My Little Pony stuff, and all of our coverage of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. That's right. All of season one is available now on Patreon at the $2 and up level. And with Sabrina coming back in April, we're going to start our coverage on season two in May, just as Riverdale is ending. All right. So if you could give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, that would be wonderful. And we'll see you in a minute. All right, well, that's going to be fun. I'm excited for all the plaid. I'm excited that plot is going to be incorporated into the musical stuff. I like it. So apparently um, we're using Heathers to indoctrinate the kids into the farm. Love it. Love God, it. Godspell would have been easier, but you know. You know we'll make it work. We'll just make it work because <laughs> we have to. That's just how we do it. The lodges are getting separated. Makes total sense. Like I've said several times now, Hermione ain't making it out of the season. One way or another. One they way might just, I mean, they might just write her off and let her go into the sunset. I uh, doubt it, but you never know. FP and Gladys are under some pressure, maybe? Maybe perhaps some. And Betty and Veronica are going to be confronted with something very emotional and serious. Yes. I'm thinking they figure out the JB's in on it. It's Betty and Jughead. They're the ones who are going, what are we going to do? They figured oh, out JB's maybe. a part of this. Maybe. That wouldn't surprise me. And Jughead's like... I don't, what am I going to do? Also, if you didn't know this before, Cole Sprouse is going to be in the musical in the show. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to do it. I guarantee you, Betty's going to be like, you have to be in the show. You have to audition so that you can get in there and see what's going on. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Well, we did hear him sing. But he's not playing JD because they put the cast list up. Ah. Yeah, he's not. He's not JD. It's just going to be fun. I'm excited. It's going to be good. All right. Until next time. Hashtag Go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.